0: voice of the spirit
1: speaking to the church be to God. grace and peace be unto you my friends would you pray with me may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my mind Be pleasing to you, our Lord, our rock, and our salvation. Earlier this year, Pastor Clover asked me if I'd be interested in preaching from this pulpit. Three thoughts immediately raced through my mind. The first was how humbled, honored, and intimidated I was at the invitation. The second thought was... What the heck would I talk about? And the third, even though I'm clearly no fashionista, was what would I possibly wear? (laughs) I mean, I don't have any official vestments or fancy robes. I can't tie a bow tie like Pete Hulak or Doug Wiley. And I certainly don't own, as Pastor Ian's son once described, a wizard's suit. But soon enough... I realized that what I could talk about and what I could wear just might be the same thing. You see, this morning I'm wearing an invisible prayer shawl. Can you see it? The color isn't important, nor is the yarn pattern, but it's there, knitted together with intention, with meditation, and with love. There are many Many rich biblical writings about the symbolic nature of clothing. Stories where seemingly ordinary garments transmit healing power. In the Gospel of Mark, we hear about a woman long suffering from uncontrolled hemorrhaging who was healed merely by the touch of the hem of Jesus' robe. The story of the Good Samaritan who gave up his robe to clothe and comfort a beaten stranger. In this morning's first reading, Paul gives practical advice to the church at Colossae, which is modern-day Turkey, encouraging those early, early followers of Christ to live more like Jesus. He writes, "...clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and that above all, clothe yourselves with love." Paul seems to be urging us to put on a metaphorical garment of love and that by doing so, we in turn become a sign of God's love and invisible grace. In the second reading, Paul weaves more detailed instructions into his letter, this time to the church in Rome. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of saints, extend hospitality to strangers. That's a lot, isn't it? But surely Paul's letter to the church in Rome is more than a long Christian to-do list. Couldn't this be what it looks like to be wrapped in love? To be a visible witness of living a life as a prayer shawl? This passage, by the way, is the mission statement of a prayer shawl ministry at Trinity United Methodist Church just up the road in Loveland, Colorado. Why did they choose this verse? I'm going to read it again. And while I do... Please think about the act of making a prayer shawl, of giving a prayer shawl, of receiving a prayer shawl. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Most of you know that we have our own thriving prayer shawl ministry here at Montview. To know this ministry, you must get to know the two Ellens. That's Ellen Reith and Ellen Oaks. In 2005, Ellen Reith's father had died and her mother, living in Philadelphia, had received a shawl from her church. Moving, moved by this healing gesture, the Montview Prayer Shawl Ministry began soon thereafter in 2006 and has evolved into roughly 100 prayer shawls each year. This is a -a one-at-a-time ministry, meaning that our knitters are not interested in knitting a whole bunch of shawls and dropping dozens of them off at a time. In a world of mass production, these gifts are made slowly, methodically, prayerfully. Each one goes out with a caring note and a knitted-by message, and then they are delivered one at a time by all of us. That's probably why the thank-you notes come in like they do. Your shawl meant so much to me. Thank you for thinking of me when I needed it most. Your gift made me feel so loved. Over the years, like many of you, I suspect, I've delivered a dozen or so prayer shawls to family members, friends, work colleagues, neighbors, and strangers, It's a humbling yet filling experience. Anyone who is welcomed to take a prayer shawl, to deliver a prayer shawl, to be a prayer shawl, and if you're a knitter, well, then I'm sure the two Ellens would love for you to join them too. Like the sacramental table here at Montview, all are welcome. Did you know that in our Christian tradition, a sacrament is defined as a visible sign of an invisible grace. Does this sound familiar? Above all, clothe yourselves in love. A week ago today, I attended a a neighbor's bat mitzvah. For me, the most touching part of that Jewish coming-of-age service was a grandmother's presentation of a prayer shawl, the Jewish talit, to her granddaughter. As the shawl was draped around young Emma's shoulders, the Hebrew ver- verse was read aloud, and it made this symbolic connection between her past and her future and to God's love. Verses from Numbers and Deuteronomy refer to garments with fringes on the corners, or tzitzit, as constant reminders of the commandments of God. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and tell them to make fringes on their, the corners of their garments, so then when you see it, you will remember the commandments of the Lord and do them. I have here a vest, it's courtesy of my dear friend Pete Gioli. There's an interesting story behind this garment, it's from Pete's father's New York costume house and from the original Broadway production of Fiddler on the Roof. Public service announcement here for our Music and Mask program that (laughs) they're doing Fiddler this September. It's, fitted that this is a, it's fitting that this is a knitted vest with Jewish tallit sewn in. So it's not exactly a typical prayer shawl, but almost some type of hybrid Judeo-Christian prayer shawl. I brought it with me today as a prop, but you know what? I'm going to put it on. Seeing that we're journeying back into the Hebrew Bible, I decided to check in with Montview friend, Rabbi Adam Morris. By the way, I checked with Adam, and he said it would be okay if I wore this this morning in the pulpit. I also asked the rabbi about this idea of what if we, we didn't just knit prayer shawls, we didn't just give or receive prayer shawls, but what if we actually lived our lives as prayer shawls? Wouldn't that be something he said, Phil, if the Zitzit can remind Jewish people to obey the commandments of God, why couldn't the Montview prayer shawl ministry be a reminder to your congregation to seek out those who need comfort? Above all, clothe yourselves in love. Back to the knitters. Think about their selfless spiritual act of creating healing art, working the yarn with their fingers, emptying their minds of their own troubles, focusing on a prayer or intention, knitting three, purling two, knitting three, purling two. This craft, when combined with intention and prayers for healing and comfort, has been described as a spiritual practice. Now, my friends, delivering a prayer shawl isn't difficult, and you don't have to be some kind of spiritual hero to to present one of these messages of hope. Maybe This act is also the beginning of living into the world as a prayer shawl, of ourselves becoming a visible sign of a visible grace, of an invisible grace. That's going to take some work, but we've got Paul's words to live by. How about we start by clothing ourselves in love? Amen.